morning. If we haven't met before, I'm Justin Swader. I am one of the deacons at Cornerstone, and I also run our support group, our cancer support group. And I'm going to read to you this morning from Genesis 2, 5 through 25. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and was breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man from whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havala, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gion, and it is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every single living creature, that was its name. The man gave the names to all the livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was found no helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon the man. And while he, was, he slept, took one of his ribs closed and closed up it's closed up the place with flesh and the rib that the lord and the rib that the lord god had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man then the man had said this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh and the man and his wife were both naked, but were not ashamed. Thank you, Justin. How are we doing? Nobody's naked and not ashamed here. That's good. How's, hopefully everyone is well. Um, I don't know uh, who we got here, if you're these type of people, but um, uh, no shame to admit it. Are you the kind of person that whenever possible you run into a mirror, maybe selfie mode, fix the hair? How do I look? Okay. All right. A couple of you are willing to admit it. Right? It's, I'm convinced that um, that's part of the reason we have so many people that are depressed. Because we have such crystal clear images all the time of, 
oh, I thought I looked better than that. Uh, interesting. I kind of miss the old days, although I wasn't around in the old days. But I kind of wish it was sometimes, right? Like, like you had to, if you wanted to see how you looked, you, you got like some, some tarnished silver like this bowl. I can kind of see and... Right, like I'm overconfident. I look pretty good in this bowl, right? And you, because it's a, a faded image, right? Kind of faded glory, if anything could be called glory. With my image in it, it's faded. Like a dream. Have you ever had a dream and, and you, like, you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, wow, I can't wait to tell so-and-so they were in my dream, right? But if you're over the age of 30, then you go to the bathroom, right? And you go back to sleep and you wake up and you're like, oh, what was that? What, right? Like it's Faded. You still kind of remember, but it's like fleeting. It's, it's faded, right? And so what I want, after um, kind of looking at the passage Justin just read, is in it are these amazing, beautiful gifts God gave us. And they're faded because of the, you know, the barrier, the boundary that, that he set up, as we'll see. But, but, like, they're still there. And in Christ, they're being redeemed. They're being recreated and there's still God's good gifts for us. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you, your word, your glory. You are good. As Bob uh, prayed earlier, the gifts that you have given us that we even take for granted are astounding, Lord. And God, we, we live in this broken place, in this broken world. And we pray that you would um, remind us that you are redeeming it in Christ. That you would meet every soul who's here with us and online with us as well, or who will watch this later, that you will meet each soul where we're at, made in your image with a desperate need for your truth, a desperate need of your salvation, and a desperate need to be washed over by your grace today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. All right, so um, if you want to, we'll be jumping around a little bit. I'm not going to go through all of that that Jocelyn just read. That's why we had her read it. Um, let her read the rivers, not me. Thank you for doing that so well. Uh, and, and so uh, if you want to f- uh, follow along where we are, we're in uh, Genesis chapter 2 uh, mainly. And uh, you can uh, uh, you know, look at the screen or use one of our Bibles around. Um, also, that's our gift to you. If you don't own a Bible, take that. Or you know someone who needs a Bible, please just take it, give it to them. And we will uh, we'll replenish it, all right? Um, this week, you saw, if you were paying attention, an announcement of, uh, of uh, our annual Thanksgiving gathering. It's a simple, great time to worship. Hopefully, it's Tuesday night before you kind of get to, to where you're going or get too crazy for Thanksgiving, and we can kind of gather as a church family. Um, but you may have seen the email that went out, but if you're not, uh, we, we started last year to do, like, desserts afterwards. Nothing too crazy, but if you, you're planning to be here and want to, you know, sign up and Go back to the grocery store, you know, and get something uh, just to, to bring in and share. Make sure you do that. Okay? Um, all right. Got that plug over with. So um, as, as we look at, at, at this passage in Genesis 2, really from verse 4 all the way through chapter 3 is, is one story. It's like one whole movie, right? And I'm not preaching that, so I'm like preaching like half the movie. That's a little tough to do sometimes, right? The half the movie where kind of the plot sets up and then we see it thicken and then we see what happens and I'm, we're going to get to that in the next couple of weekends right like it, it but even in this and all the good that was read all these good gifts that we're going to see there's these little foreshadowing these little like you know anyone here a movie buff I mean you love movies go ahead okay anybody here love like a good tv show like a series like um, okay any readers in here oh yeah yeah like well yeah I'm a reader I don't watch all that stuff 
No, but I, I love all those things. I love reading novels. So the more you do that, right, the more you begin to pick up on something, right, when you're like, well, like you're watching a scary movie and the very big, like one of the beginning scenes, there's like kids playing in the basement and somehow it comes up that there's one light bulb and it often intermittently goes out and there's one way out of this basement and they're like, why did they mention that? Something bad's going to go down here in this basement, right, later on. You get a clue. I remember I used to watch when I was a kid with my mom, Sunday nights, Murder, She Wrote. Any Murder, She Wrote fans over the age of 80? No, you're good. Angela Lansbury, right? Like, great show. I would watch it with her, but she was so frustrating because my mom was like, loved those kinds of books and loved those kinds of shows. And so within, like, the third scene, she knew who did it every time. And I was like, Mom, can you at least keep it to yourself? You know, some of us are trying to watch the show here. Because she just picked up on these clues. And if you, uh, there's a couple of clues in what Justin just read that I'll, uh, I'll show you that say, ugh, something's not going to go well here that we'll get to next weekend. But it's very important because it's because of that that these good gifts are faded and seem to us broken and unrecognizable, right? One of those, uh, if you remember, there's there's a bunch of trees in Eden, but there's two of them named. One of them's a tree of life, which we'll get to, but but then there's this one, right? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. The, the, the other uh, clue was at the very end of that passage, right? The man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Like, why do we got to mention that? Because something's going to go wrong, right? Something's going to happen where shame is going to come into the picture. And, and what is beautiful in paradise is going to become broken, right? And the clue is in that tree. Right? What, people always want to know what that is, right? If, if you know the story, like, you know, spoiler alert, that's a boundary God set up that they're going to cross, that they're not supposed to. Right? He says you can eat from all these trees, right? There are so many of them, and the tree of life and all that, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat that. Right? That's a boundary. Like if you're a parent or if you're a teacher, you have, like, boundaries are because you love someone. Good and right boundaries, right? So people want to, like, like, and we'll probably talk more next week about that tree and what that might be. But there's all kinds of theories. Like, what, what happens? What, I think the best way to, to try to explain it is to bring back, I don't know if this is popular demand or not, but one of my favorites. This will be recognizable to some of you. The throne of my life. Someone asked just today, why is your throne so pathetic? I'm like, it's my life, people. <laughs> what kind of throne would mine have, right? But, but we always bring that up when we're talking about this wrestle with the flesh, this, this wrestle, this idea that, that, that God is supposed to be on the throne, but, but there's these areas of our life that we're like, I'm just going to sit right here and reign for a little while because I don't really like how God's doing it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, uh, amongst a lot of theories, what we know it is, <laughs> It, 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 it's to, to try to get, it's not like, like omniscience, They're not, they don't become all-knowing. All it's not knowledge God doesn't have, that doesn't exist. It's a knowledge that's, hear me, independent of God giving it to them. It's a path of life and wisdom that would be independent of God. It's, it's a sense of justice, a sense of, right? So when you eat of that, that's why it's sin, because it's saying, I know better. I know I have knowledge that I don't need God for. And that's why God said, don't eat from that. Right? Don't eat from that. So all we hear early in chapter 2 is, 
this tree exists, and if you eat of it, death will come. And so if you're paying attention, you're like, why is that mentioned? Because that's a boundary that they will cross. And it's why things are faded, right? Some of these gifts that we see. The first gift, when I, when I think of that, cha- that, that chapter we just had read, the, the God's gift of life, something we just take, take for granted, like, remember, we've, it's been all over this early chapter. Like, chapter one, we're like, God is a God of life. Right? It's the, 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 the boundary that we cross, the sin. That's what brings death. He loves life. Like, like I give you a lot. I mean, the, the whole chapter is full of life and creation, right? But one of my favorites is when he forms man. Right? Like, like this is a picture of a potter. And he's breathing life. And it's the longest description, the most personal description of anyone being created. Guys, we are special. Until, (laughs) ladies, you win. (laughs) If you remember. And we'll see. Like, that's longer than how he created and personally cared for. So so both are. But look, look with me. He says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. This is a gift. It is life in a way that's unique. It's not just heart beating and breathing. He's made animals. This is unique. There's, there's a, a sense of life that he's given us, right? He, he, he's given us the tree of, uh, he gave them the tree of life. Again, they could eat from that. And we don't really know what it did. Maybe it kept them young. Or there's, again, a lot of theories. What we know, it was a gigantic, beautiful symbol. That God is the source of life and it's a gift he's given to us. You see, it transcends culture. It transcends time and language. It doesn't matter where you are. Life is precious. Right? We're scared. One of the top fear, except maybe public speaking for some of you, is death. The fear of death. Wherever you go. Right? Here's, that's unique to us. I know how much you love little Fluffy who lays at your feet at night. All right, for me, it's Jupiter, our cat. He just sits on my lap constantly, constantly. All right, Jupe, get off my lap, right? And, and, and I know how much you love Fluffy, but Fluffy isn't worried about death. Fluffy has instincts and gets afraid, but isn't thinking like, huh, Mommy, Daddy, you better rub my belly because my days are numbered. I don't know. Fluffy gets up, lives goes to sleep, and eventually there comes a day where Fluffy dies. Never afraid of it. That's why Fluffy sleeps a lot better than we do, right? It's because as much as we love the animals, as much we, we are unique, that God has breathed this unique life into us, and yet it's faded, isn't it? Because of the boundary that was crossed, because of sin, that's what brings death. So now we live in a world we can see life we can, but it's, and, and, and we know it's precious to us, but death is all around us. Brokenness is all around us. And so it's like, what do we do about that? But remember, he's a God of life. So I've, I've named this series very specifically, A Journey from Creation to Christ. Because God is a God of life. And because death came, Jesus came. My, one of my favorite Christmas texts, which you don't often think of as a Christmas text, is John chapter 1. Talking about Jesus in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Yes, because of sin, death is our destiny, but because of Christ, life is ours. He died so we don't have to. It's the death of death. It's the gift of life. It's the unique 
everlasting life that we were given as a gift from God that gets corroded because of sin but is won back and redeemed by Christ. That's the gospel. And so if you want to live, here's what you got to do, okay? Because here's what most people do. They get on the throne of their life and it's like, maybe religion is important, maybe having a little of God, maybe not, but, but I got this. <laughs> no, you don't. And you know you don't. You can't be God. He's God. You can't give yourself life, but Christ will. So trust him. It's a gift. And for those of you in Christ, it's a gift every day. I know sometimes the brokenness of this already not yet because he hasn't come back yet, it hurts. But you have life because of Christ. What a gift. One of the gifts that we see in this this chapter that I, I just love and often don't think enough about. God's gift of pleasure. Think about it. Like the whole chapter is full of sights and sounds and rivers and gold and minerals. Like, like, and then and, and even just really a, a culmination of it all. Verse 9, and out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. You know, it means, oh, it tastes good. Why do things taste good? They don't need to. Why do things need to look beautiful? They don't need to. They are because God loves you and he's given you a beautiful gift of pleasure, right? Beautiful pleasure. Like, like the, 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 the fruit that tastes good, like the, the foods that you eat. And I'm convinced, and don't email me because I'm convinced that there was a tree of ice cream sundaes. <laughs> right? I don't know. Whatever it is you like, that filet, all right, that's after the flood, but we don't, we don't have time for that. But still... Right? It tastes so good. Whatever, it, uh, you know, the, the wine, and I'm not talking about the box stuff on the shelves. I'm talking about the stuff that's like, you know, like for, for years on end. Like there's, God is just like, like giving us these pleasures, music. Like what is that? God gave that to us. Why does this, like it's fine for the, 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 the earth to orbit the sun, but why does a sunset and a sunrise got to be so glorious? Why does when, you, when you're walking on, uh, in the winter on Lake uh, Quinnipiacki, you know what I'm trying to say, uh, and, and, and you're just like, wow, what a sight. You know, all of these things, these are pleasure, pleasure. Food doesn't have to taste good. I was, you know, some of you know I watched the show Survivor, and, and recently there was an episode where a girl, was, this woman was so hungry she ate a worm. It was right, right? She didn't do that for pleasure. She did that because she was starving, right? But God made food taste good, right? He made sex feel good. That'll wake you up, huh? I saw some of you look up. But it's, it's in the, as we'll get to, in the context of what it's supposed to be. But it, but it doesn't have to be like that. But he wants to give you pleasure. But here's the faded beauty and the faded glory because of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is this with pleasure. This is what happens to so many of us. Pleasure becomes our God, which means I'm God. Here's the, the, the bad reputation that God gets, which is so unfair, that he's some kind of frowning dictator who doesn't want you to have any fun or pleasure. That's just so wrong. All pleasure comes from him. He wants you to have boundaries around it because he knows what's going to burn your life to the ground. But here's the problem. We think, oh, well, you don't know better, God. I'm going to have this, right? Sex is okay if it's a stranger on a screen. Right? Or, or a stranger I'm just attracted to. Or, or, you know, just not just a glass of wine, but seven. Right? I don't know. That seems like a lot to me. 
and, and right, so, or, or whatever, pleasure just becomes my God because I'm on the throne of my life. But that's not how he meant it for. He meant for you to experience pleasure. So here's what a Christian can do. That someone, man, you and I can both, if you're not a believer and you're, not a, you're an atheist, we can both enjoy in common grace a filet or an ice cream sundae. But you stop there. Me, I can go, praise God for whom all blessings flow. Because he's gifted us that. And it's in Christ that you can experience these pleasures so much more. Because you know where it comes from and you know where the praise goes to. And you don't have to let these pleasures become your God. They just become good gifts from God. I also see another thing here that you might have missed. But so important for us is God's gift of purpose. Now I could say work. But it doesn't really become work until after <laughs> the boundary. right, where, where the job becomes really hard. But there is work. Like, like it's weird. You, you see God make Eden, right? And, and it's almost like we see this, this verse. The Lord, the, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. God made creation in such a way that it needs us to cultivate it so that it can flourish. That's not because God didn't need it. Like, oh, what do I do? No, no, no. He did it on purpose. That was his plan, right? Because he, know, he made us for purpose. You and I in Christ are not meant to be lazy. We're not meant to just suck off of the other life forms. We're not leeches. We are made to work hard, whether it's at our career or our family or our schools or our playing fields or concert halls. We take the gifts God's given us and we work hard. Why? For his glory. You see, the cool thing about these two words uh, that, that you see translated, work it and keep it. In English, it seems obvious, but uh, in Hebrew, because I'm a Hebrew expert, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not. but others have told me, right? That in Hebrew, those are very hard to, trans, to translate and, it, because it's just, it, there's not a lot of comparisons in, in ancient Hebrew language, including the Bible, but there are a few. And you know what those few are? They are priests working and serving God in the temple. And I don't think that's an accident that, it, that, that this, these words are chosen to say that man was put to do this work as a work to God. That this is God's temple. And their hard work, farming, agriculture, whatever, God, right, is all so that God might receive glory. It's called purpose. It's called purpose. It's one of the things he's given you as a gift. You have a purpose. And when we get on the throne of our life, we think the purpose is me. Oh, and so now my career is me, and if a promotion, I get passed over promotion, I'm furious. Or if I have a cranky, angry boss, if your boss is here right now, don't look at him, including our church staff. I don't think, uh, right? You know, that, that, that if, if it's about you or you need to make money for you, 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 you're on the throne of your own life, that's why you're so frustrated and you're, like you're never satisfied. But when you realize you just work hard for God, he controls the outcomes. Breathe. We are meant to be shining lights wherever God has put us, stewarding the skills and gifts and blessings that he's poured out on us in purpose. And when your purpose is him, oh, isn't it freeing to know you don't got to control all the outcomes? You just got to work hard for the glory of God. That's what you do. You're a priest doing this work for him. And that's not just your careers. That's just that's. If kids, you're home with kids or, or, or your family or your grandkids 
or whatever God has put you or wherever God has put you, it's meant to be done with him on the throne. And it's a gift. And purpose and pleasure, they go hand in hand. You don't have pleasure for a few hours on a weekend and then uh, back to purpose now. That actually when you work for the glory of God in your purpose, even if you're hard at work, you become more pleasured and satisfied, don't you? Because you are doing what God has called you to do and it just fits. It just works. But when you're working for yourself, you're frustrated and you're angry and you're ready to give up. One of the gifts that we see, and I'm going to land, as you probably would have expected, on the gift of marriage, because we saw the creation of both Adam and Eve. But before we do that, I know we have people here who aren't married. Maybe you will be someday. Maybe you used to be. Maybe not. But I need you to realize that marriage is a gift, but so is singleness. And you are not lacking. You are not nobody. You are not less than. I don't care if people are like, when are you going to get married? Don't I know. And if you do say that to people, stop. I know you want grandkids. It's okay. Wait. Wait. Because a bad marriage it isn't to be is the loneliest, most broken place to be. So before we get to the gift of marriage, I just think marriage is just the pinnacle of what God really gave us, this gift of companionship or we might call fellowship. Now, Fellowship is not a word. I know we've kind of cheapened it to mean, you know, after church with some coffee and refreshments with other Christians. No, it's a Greek word, koinonia, that, that means a much deeper relationship than that. A friendship where you're vulnerable and you're known. And it's scary because we are in a faded, broken world. But it's still God's gift. I think marriage is the elite pinnacle top of that. But I want you to see in this text, again, where God looked at it, right? Like, like he looks at it and he says this. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. It's the first time in the narrative we say God say. This isn't Adam whining. No, it's not Adam. This is God saying it's not good. Up to this point, good, 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 very good. Now, not good. I, don't, I do not think God made a mistake or he was somehow lacking or didn't see this coming. This was always part of his plan. He's just giving a description. And I think he's letting Adam see for himself that this isn't good. He then parades all the animals, right? You ever notice that's in the context? A lot of times we learn that as kids as a separate story. But it's within this context of Adam being lonely. And he's with all these cool animals. He loves the animals. He cares for the animals. He names the animals. And he's still alone. He's got God with him. And he's still alone. And it's God who says you're alone. Because God says, because I created you. To have friendship, to have companionship, to have people. It's not good that you're alone. And so the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and that barrier that was crossed created all kinds of brokenness. People are no longer naked and unashamed. And now we have the baggage of hurt. People have hurt you and you've hurt people. People aren't trustworthy. If I let them know me, then they could hurt me. That's what vulnerability is. And yet, you were made for it. And it's so absent in our culture. Guys, especially you and me. We think talking about the game or the weather is enough. It's a good start. But it's not enough. People will say, Jonathan and David in the Bible, that must have been a sexual relationship. They were too close. Because they've never understood what it means to have a friend like that. And that's sad because God did not make you to be alone. Yes, 
your husband or your wife is where it begins. And then if you see the story play out, you're supposed to have kids, which they do. And then more and more and more, you have cousins and you have like all the generations and eventually you have strangers. But you're, it was supposed to be that we have this companionship. You weren't meant to just look at God's creation by yourself. You were meant to look at it with someone else. And you were meant to share this with someone else in a way that you can trust. And so Christ is redeeming that. But we have to find a way to manage that in a broken, faded place like this, a place where you can't trust everyone, and you have to be careful, but you still need these people. You need them. You need your crew. You need to, to risk it. If it didn't go well, continue to risk it, because you've got to be known by somebody, right? You've got to be, and, and man, guys, we need it too, right? Not just a peripheral, how's it going kind of relationship, but someone who knows you, knows where you struggle, knows where you hurt. Know, they can hurt you, with that information, right? Like, that's scary. I'm a pastor. It's really scary. But I got that because I need it. Because if I don't, I'm alone. And guess what happens when you're alone? <laughs> the enemy attacks mercilessly. And so plug in. Make it a priority. Whether you're single or married, you need friendships. You need people you can count on. You need people you can be vulnerable with. The gift of fellowship. But... That pinnacle is the gift of marriage. And again, there is a gift of singleness. You aren't a nobody if you're not married. But if you are or plan to be, it's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's, it's that, that um, when, when um, let me put that verse back up there. When he said, I will make him a helper fit for him. Boy, we've done that verse some serious damage over the years. Guys, especially. It's a man's world, and you're just here to help me, honey. I don't know if you say it in that voice, which would be weird. That's not what that means. That's what it's translated in English, but it's not. In fact, ladies, here's your comeback, all right? <laughs> that, the only other time we see that word, we see helper in Scripture, is when God is helping man. Like, God is a helper to Moses. So, do you think it means the person is inferior to who he's helping? No. No. What it means is you're a help in a way we couldn't do it without you, right? That word fit also, hard to translate, but what it means is the same but the opposite. How's that? How can you be the same but the opposite, right? When, when God creates Eve, like, like this is uh, uh, Adam's reaction. He's like, this, this is not meant to be like, this at last, right? It's meant to, this at last, it's bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she will be called woman. Really, right? Like, like because she was taken out of man. She was a, taken out of me, so, I, so now we fit. So he's saying, finally, none of these other animals were like me, but she is. We're the same. We're made in the image of God for the glory of God. We have these gifts of God. We look at the world, right? Like, like we are human we are of the same kind. I'm no longer alone. But she's also really different, which is really nice because I need that difference. I know. Look, I'm not trying to even be funny. And the younger you are, the more this sounds like a snarky remark. I'm just saying right now it's controversial to say what we all know. Men and women are different. 
You ever notice that? We are, for a reason. And it was meant to be this perfect fit, but it's the, 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 the barrier and the sin that has taken those differences and making them pain points. Like I was watching, um, I just saw this video clip recently, and, and uh, this guy's watching a college football game, and he's got a TV on his mantle, like this. And his wife is now decorating for Christmas. <laughs> and she's starting to put these like trees up on the mantle. And it goes up to like a third of the screen. <laughs> and the guy goes, babe, I'm trying to watch the game. What are you doing? She's like, I'm decorating for Christmas. <laughs> I can't see the game. She's like, oh, I'm sure you could see the game, right? And it was more of a funny clip. They weren't fighting or anything. But it just said, and I know it's an example. Some of you ladies love college football and some of you guys could care less. The point is we're different. We look at things differently. That's okay. It's meant to be. That's what the fit is. You're the same but you're different, so wonderfully different. But it's also where pain comes in. Because we look at things so differently, we experience things so differently, but it's how God designed it for a gift. The, the gift of marriage. <coughs> he says, the, the second to last verse, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's kind of a weird thing to say, right? Because, I mean, there's no father and mother yet. But this is the narrator Moses who's talking to Israel who he wrote this, right? He's giving this account to them. They already had all that. And he's like, it's from here. And Jesus would, would affirm this in the New Testament that because of this, marriage is a beautiful gift. But this is what it's meant for. That fellowship that you desperately need, marriage is the pinnacle of it. It is. It's what sex is, a physical expression of the deepest intimacy you have with one person. That's why it's not meant for a screen or for a stranger. That's throne of my life kind of stuff. But it's meant to be an expression of and a deepening of this vulnerability and intimacy that's a gift from God. Right? The, 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 the being able to just share space and laugh and learn, and grow, and live, and go through struggles and hurts. But here's the, here's the problem. As a pastor for quite a while now, and a man who's been married for 25 years, I know it often doesn't go that way. Because we live in an already not yet world. And sometimes it's the most broken place. Because the enemy loves to destroy what God has gifted us. And so it needs to be a priority if you're married, or plan to be. It doesn't just happen. And if you're like in a new relationship, you're like, oh, we're going to be in love all the time. It's never going to go bad. Oh, it will. The honeymoon period always ends. But you get deeper and deeper. And so I tell you this. It's one of the places we get on the throne most. I'm right. You need to look at the world the way I do. And you get. What happens is you come into a marriage and you bring your baggage. You bring baggage from your childhood. Did you know, and this is so heartbreaking, that we're at the point now where vastly majority, more than the majority, more than 50% of every woman you meet has suffered sexual abuse as a child. And men are rising and trying to get to the same point. It's so much brokenness. You don't think that's baggage that hurts so bad? Of course. And then you, you bring baggage of your previous relationships that maybe you had. 
and then you get married and you don't know what to do. And so, and so you hurt each other and you never really deal with it. And, 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 and it's just, right? Because you're different. And yet God's gift in Christ is to redeem that. I was talking to a couple last night. They said we knew what it was like to be married before Christ and after. 100%, 180-degree difference. Because now in Christ, we can let him redeem and restore what God meant to be a gift of a companion that's just so special to you. And so maybe you got it pretty good, but you've been like, you know, I've been lacking priority. It's time to refresh that, prioritize. you got to be purposeful. It's not just going to go on its own. It needs you to drive it. But if it's really broken or you got problems, come see us. we got coaches. we got people we can help or point you in the right direction. Don't suffer alone. Get help. It's God's gift. Get off that throne and let him on it. Forgive where you need to forgive. Repent where you need to repent. And enjoy what God has given you. What I'm going to do is pray. Um, and I know that's a lot of categories of gifts. And that was my fear coming into this. I was like, that's a lot. But I think if you think about it through this image and let God reveal to you where have you climbed onto the throne. Maybe you didn't come in here a Christian and you were on the throne of your life. I'm just asking you to humbly do what I did and a lot of us don't and just get off. It's not working for you. Being God is a hard job that you're not capable of. Let him be God. Well, I don't like all the rules. Well, that's part of him being God. He knows better than you. Trust him. He loves you. He formed you. He loves you more than you love you. And he knows what you need. So get off and put your faith in Christ. If you're in Christ, maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's, man, I just, I, my job has been all about me. My career has been, maybe I just need to give that. Whatever it is that we talked about today, let God reveal it to you and then just give it to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask you in, in, in the name of Jesus and your spirit to reveal to everyone right now what that is or those things are and reveal them. Lord, I pray that the pleasures of this life that you've given us would be pleasures that we just savor and laugh and love and give you praise, but never let those pleasures become our God. Lord, I pray that we would um, know the purpose of our careers or our parenting or our, wherever you have us, our schools, our places of study, our place, wherever you have us, using the gift you've given us, Lord, that we would do it and work hard for you. Show us how to do that. Father, I pray that we would find, if we don't already have in this place good friends, that we would be willing to plug in and be known by someone. Grow those relationships. Protect us from the evil one trying to destroy and tear down. And Lord, I especially pray for our marriages in this room. Thank you for the ones that are thriving. And I ask for you to meet with great, beautiful healing and blessing those that are struggling. Father, may our marriages be a light in this world that people can see. A beacon of what it means to do life with forgiveness in Christ. Lord, for those men on their own thrones. <laughs> Lord, reveal to them that they need Jesus, that you died for them, 
that they just right now that they can just picture themselves climbing down and saying, Jesus, you're on the throne. That you'd forgive them from all of their sin because you died for all of those sins. May all the glory and praise be to your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you can, stand with us and sing. If not, sit right there and let's worship together.